Hello and welcome to the Storied Arcs podcast. I am your co-host Mike. And I'm your co-host Alex. And today we will be doing our deep dive discussion into Eat the Rich by Sarah Gailey and uh, Pius Bach and Roman, did we decide on a pronunciation? Titov? Uh, I, 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 Titov, I guess? Yeah, Titov. Titov? Yeah, I, Apologies. I uh, huge fan of their artwork. Don't know or their coloring. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, don't yeah, know the coloring. Yeah, it, it, it's it, don't it, know it, the pronunciation. So apology for that. Yeah, um, but okay. So I think the thing that we both started talking about before we even got recording here is uh, reading this book the first time, which we both did in single issue, was one experience, and then you know walking away from it. Uh, you know, kind of having the impression of, oh, that's what that was about. And then turning back to it to reread it is a totally different experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, something we hinted at, uh, you know, it's last week, just with the title, it's called Eat the Rich, which is a phrase that people know. um, And you have a certain mindset, I think, going into a story about that. And then very clearly on, as this book moves forward, it, it... it's fairly obvious what's what the what the big reveal is going to be, right? Like eat the rich is literal, or or the, you know the the idea of eating people, the cannibalism aspect comes very quickly, and that's like you know it's set up as being kind of a regular horror shock, right? Like oh my god, this is what they do, and this is why they do it, and then the very matter of factly the 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 realization that the people who are being eaten, the help as it were. They're all like, yeah, we know. We signed contracts. Like, you know, the the matter of fact discussion that that Joey has with uh, Astor's stepmother of like, yeah, it's very like they saw it's 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 like legally binding. We're doing all this. Like it's all right. above board. Right, right. You know, in, yeah. in, in the manner. And so you have all of these these horror setups, and you're like, okay, this is a setup, this is what it is. And and for me, reading it the very first time, I remember is just thinking, well, okay, then. The obvious at, at some point, the the script's gonna flip, and the quote unquote downstairs people are gonna take charge, and then they're gonna be the ones to overthrow the upstairs people. And you're like, okay, this is this is what the story is about in my mind. I'm thinking this is what it's about. This is what it's right. leading towards because this is what you see in a in a horror movie that's like this that that the 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 bad guys, which is the 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 upper crust elite in almost all these stories, they got to get their comeuppance, and this is what's gonna happen. And that does happen in this story, but it happens at the very end. And it's like, you basically get like a two page montage and then it's like, ta-da, they won. And the bad guys lost. And you're like, wait, what? And like, that's all it is. And it's not until kind of reading the entire story. And then if you read this in trade, you get a letter at the end written by Gailey, where you understand that that sort of story that I was anticipating. And I think if you read the story and, and are familiar with, with some of the 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 more horror story tropes there that the kind of story maybe you're expecting you're, you're expecting it to be about the the revolution as it were that, that that's actually not what they were interested in and 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 maybe that's on on me and and other readers similar that you have a a level of expectation of kind of what you think the story how you think the story is going to play out and even though ultimately I was right about because it, you know, it, you know where it's going to play out that the the lower class is going to going to prevail in the end but the fact that that isn't the story they're interested in telling that isn't the the message they were trying to get across that isn't the 
that isn't the idea they were trying to explore. Um, knowing where that focus actually was from the creators themselves, and then reading this book again, I think there's there is it gives some fresh perspective that I didn't have the first time through. This idea that you know, the, kind of the things that 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 Gailey outlines in in the this letter here at the at the back of the trade is that it's about exploring the structures of um what Crestfall Bluffs is and and examining and, and shining a light on the world that we created that would allow a place like that to exist. Because I think maybe in her and sorry, maybe in their mind, it's obvious where the story is going. As I said, like you get to the end, the the help, the workers are gonna are gonna rise up and be the victors. So if that's the obvious end, then why spend time doing that? Because I was almost expecting that to be like the last issue and a half of the story, you know, seeing right. the revolution. <laughs> but, but to me, it, that's gilding the lily. Like when we it, all it, know how that plays out. And and I think I think that's in hindsight, looking back, you're like, oh, right. Why would they spend time telling the, that part of the story that we know is coming, that they're obviously building up to? So we know what the end is going to be. And it seems like a waste of time now looking back, like if they had spent if they had spent what I thought they were going to do, which was spent an issue and a half telling that part of the story. Like right. you, when stories are this well done, yeah. it actually makes me resent other stories that don't have this kind of restraint. Yeah, because, because they, they, they everything they, else seems lesser. Yeah, they understand the perspective is different. They're not telling that story. That story is the is the obvious end result of what they had set up. So instead, let's focus on the larger picture, which is the structure of of not just this community, but of the, the world that they've built, which is the world that we live in. Let's have commentary on that. Let's spend time reflecting on the people on both sides of the aisle there, of, of the haves and the have-nots, um, in terms of why everyone would act the way they they they, they do in this book. And, and in that letter... They they talk about what are they they refer to it as as a plot hole or or I guess maybe it, it's things that that friends of theirs brought up to them about the story about the various about what they perceive as being plot holes in in this story and and what Sarah Gailey specifically calls out here in this letter is that they didn't address that they don't consider that a plot hole that main question of why would anyone participate in a system that they know will kill them which seems, I guess, on some level, like a gigantic leap of narrative faith, right? Right. Like well, I mean, this is the type of thing where I think unthinking fans and critics call things plot holes uh, in the same way that, I mean, what it makes me think of is when people are like, oh, there's a plot hole in Infinity War, like Peter Quill punching Thanos or whatever, and... um. I'm like, first of all, that's not what plot holes are. Yeah. Secondly, if you were mining plot holes in Infinity War, there are bigger ones than that. Yeah. Uh, and and third, when the Russos were asked about that, they said, um, you know, there's you can't tell interesting stories with characters who make the right decision all the time. Like, because that's not that like then that's the plot hole. Like, because that's not a real person. Like there are no real people who make correct decisions in every instance. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. what you learn about your character is um well why did they make this decision? And I think that's I mean the first thing in my note is that Joey our protagonist has a massive protagonist compromise in issue 3. 
yes. when when Joey's like, yeah, I'll go along with it. Uh, I'm know. here. I might. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and then it jumps to like five weeks later. And it's yeah. like, OK, but, you know, I guess I can get used to this lifestyle because all my needs are met. I, you know, I go back to law school, but well, and really she, she, she's to. convinced herself too, right, that I'm in law school because these are the people I want to be around. This is right, what right. I want. This isn't is it? the shortcut, right? Yeah, the, yeah, it's exactly. Like, uh, she, she, you know. She's convinced herself that this is this was supposed to be. This was always supposed to be the end goal, right? Right. For her, she's told and, herself. And that. I think the insidious thing that the book doesn't even mention is that you could go do really well in law school and make good money, but you would never be in this crowd. Like the only way into this crowd is this. Is this way? Yeah. Um, you know, because there is a difference between the rich and the uber rich. And that is, I think, uh, you know, like people who would maybe bristle at this, you know, people who are like, oh, you know, I'm a lawyer, I'm an engineer and I, you know, I don't have a yacht and I don't have this, that and the other. It's like this book isn't about you. You know, this yeah, is because uh, yeah. um, it's like if, if we were going to get that granular, you'd be like, oh, well, this author. Is from the Bay Area, which is the second most expensive city in the country, and now lives in L.A., which is another one of the most expensive cities in the country. Uh, so this must be the you know the pot calling the kettle or something. It's like no, no, no. Uh, there are people like nothing in this book is a criticism of people who make enough money to live a happy, comfortable lifestyle. Um, it, you know, even in an expensive city, this is about people who are so absurdly rich that they have a different view of humanity. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's not commenting on successful people. Right. When, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, oh, that's that's really the distinction because... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, not commenting on that. And I, I don't... Yeah, you're right. I don't think it's commenting on people who have earned a lot of money, more so than in, 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 even earning money that is that puts you in a level that's beyond just living a comfortable life. I don't think it's commenting on that. It's commenting on the that that hidden society part right the people behind the people who run the world you know that right. these are the people that are so far beyond society that they aren't part of it anymore but yet they run they run the larger world you know and yeah you're right that, that this is not something you can achieve your way into and i think that, that i think that's a distinction that that this is this is right. a a club and and as they as they describe you know later on when when i guess it's 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 Aster, right? When 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 Joey and Aster have their kind of come to Jesus moment at the end, when they're they're the talking proposal, with no artifice, right? and, <laughs> and and Aster's like, "Where do you think you're going to go? Like, it's not just this community. This is just right. where we live, and like, the door in, isn't locked. Yeah, right? like we're in every level of society. We, we're people that run everything out in the world, and we're, like you're one of us. Like exactly, you must yes. eat flesh now." Yeah, like there yeah, is yeah, no yeah, alternative yeah. for you. But again, so yeah, it, it's it's not about you can't success your way into this group. You have to be invited in a way, I guess. And so yeah, the only way to get in is the way that Joey gets in, the way that Aster's stepmom we find out gets in. You know, the fact that she she was one time part of the downstairs crew, as it were, as as someone like Joey would be, someone from a lower class who works their way into this society. Um, so yeah, she has convinced herself that this is the only way to get the thing that she thinks she really desires. Right. Well, and then obviously has to then reassess her desires and, 
Uh, and that's where the character growth comes in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. all very interesting development. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, I know. I I think it, it's important to note that there is the difference, the distinction between people who have money and people who are rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think also rich but, becomes the identity, and yeah. the identity becomes uh, like your sense of self and your sense of humanity, and you you view yourself different, and you view people beneath you differently. Well, and, and I think that's also the yeah. problem. Yeah, and, and I think while the book is commenting on again, we're 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 differentiating between people who are very successful, people who have a lot of money, who have earned a lot of money, and then the people that are just above them, who are like a whole like stratosphere above them. Um, I, I think what they address in their letter there at the end is is that question of of participating in a system that they know will kill them. That's ultimately what it's about. So it is still making a comment on this wealth gap, income gap, whatever you class gap, whatever you want to call it. But this idea of, of on any level opting into a system that, you know, will kill them. And the thing that I, um, I thought about and, and, and maybe this is just a strange, it's potentially a strange, um, um, comparison. And I, I, I can probably guarantee that, uh, Neither Sarah Gailey or Pius Back or anyone involved in this book was thinking about this when they when they create when when they thought of this idea, but I thought about football, American football, the NFL, and the idea that um, how this much more hilarious. we know about how much we how much more done. we know about football and the dangers of football and the dangers right. of head injuries like CTE and the long term problems of that and how that is trickling down to the lower levels and that youth participation in football is way down specifically it's it's not across the board but it's very much down around affluent and middle class white people because they look at the data and say this isn't worth it but people are still playing football and people will always still play football and who is that being down to now well you're still seeing football being played at the youth level the level which every expert tells you this is really bad for your health potentially in the future it's being played in the parts of the country where you know, they're 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 they're, it's they're still lower your best incomes. shot at anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or it, it feels it, that way. Yeah, it, um, in the areas that, that are think, that are populated by black and brown people. Right, you know? and I think that's the uh, you know the gladiator uh, comparison. Exactly. Yeah, and so um, they they see the trade off, and you talk to you could talk to to guys in, in the pros now who'd be like, yeah, they're fully aware of all the problems that could come with CTE and long term. But like, hey, if I play six years in the NFL. I could potentially make generational money. And is that worth it for every day having to take X amount of painkillers just to get out of bed and walk down the stairs for the rest of my life, knowing that the rest of my life may not be as long as someone else. Is right. that worth to it reverse to set up my family, family misfortune? Yeah. Um, is it worth that? And I think that that's what this book is exploring. This idea when, when, when pedal talks about, listen, I've got all of these problems in my life. I was going to die anyway. You know, not only that, but like, hey, I get health care for my family. You know, they right. help. They don't. Pedal's they the best care. character, right? Uh, she, she's the most well-rounded. She gets the most because you know we 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 see the most of her, and obviously she gets to be the stand-in for all of the help. You know, right? Like, well, she, uh, oh, well, that and yes, the she's a personification for everyone not in the upper crust. She is aware of the compromise, yeah, and isn't doing it selfishly. Yeah, and because she, I think and when she, Joey makes the compromise, yeah. Joey is selfish. Yeah, she is. I want. I I desire to be part of this crowd. Pedal is 
clear out about everything, you know? And so I, but I think that's, that's the, the, the commentary there of like, that's the trade-off. So when in, when you read that letter that Sarah Gailey has in the back of the trade and you wonder about people again, opting into like, why would you do this? And, and I think on some level, there are people, very rational thinking people who would say, no one would ever do, no one would ever choose, like nothing is worth your life. Nothing is worth that kind of deal. And I think all you have to do is look around at our society in general and be like, actually, you know what? People make the choice all the time. People make the the choice all the time. Is this the extreme choice? Obviously, of course it is. You know, before we started recording, um, I, I, I mentioned Squid Game. And and the idea of Squid Game is this to the extreme as well. Of but that then the fact that that Netflix went and made like a quote unquote real Squid Game where you're playing children's games to win money because you need money. Now, obviously, it's not the same as what the show was, which is 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 a matter of life and death. But what that is saying is we live in a world where things are the system is set up such that people could plausibly decide this is worth it, that either it's all or nothing. You know, I get this money or I die. And then I'm free of my obligation of having to, of, of needing money anymore. You know, these well, are when you said good on the games, system. I thought, you know, yeah. this is like, I have friends who um, or a friend who was objecting to the premise of the hunger games when that, those books and movies came out mm-hmm. was like, Oh, I you know, I don't want to see oh, yeah. kids hunting kids. I'm like, that's the point. Yes. I'm like, that's another great example. Hunger Games is built on the same idea. This idea of, of the, the things we accept with the things we'd be are willing to accept in that case, um, televised child murder, um, celebrating, well, especially celebrating. when you find out there is a ruling class that is exempt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is but, a manner of control for the people that are exempt from this. Yes, uh, and this is how they keep us all in check. And, and that—that's um, exactly and, what and Sarah Gailey has in that letter. This idea of right. if you don't know any better, and, if and you don't Hunger know Games, any better, there's the yeah. stair step of the different districts. Because yeah. if you're in District Three, you're like, well, at least it's not District Seven. Yeah, it's like I may not be in the and capital, in, but right. and if you're in seven, you're like, well, at least I'm not in twelve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then it's like we just make twelve small enough and poor enough, and uh, and and crushed under the weight of heavy labor enough, which that goes to uh, their letter here in the back, where it says, um, uh, yeah, the the um, artificial scarcity is a tool. Harmful and exploitative working conditions maximize profit while putting enough strain on workers that they don't have time or energy for self advocacy. And is that not you know District Twelve? Yeah. Well, um, it, 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 is that not capitalism? Is that not the world we live in now? Sure. <laughs> Forget the specifics of the book that they just you know, that that you just read by them. Isn't that just the setup of like any corporation? Isn't isn't that the complaints of like anyone who's ever worked for like Amazon or whatever or like any any company, right? Isn't that just describing what it is to work a any level of regular job? You know? Yeah. Although I will say uh, that Sarah's letter here, uh, like I do feel like what they say at the end slightly contradicts how I read the story. Uh, so it says, so why would anyone participate in a system like this? The answer is simple. It's easy to get people to participate in systems that harm them. If you make them feel like they have no other choice, if you take enough away, it's easy to get 
workers to accept jobs that ask for, for too much and don't give enough back, jobs that treat people as uh, expendable resources, jobs that feed on human lives and nourish profit margins. That's true. I 100% agree with that. Um, although I think that wasn't initially what led to Joey's choice here. Joey didn't feel like I'm going to choose this because there's no other option. Joey felt like, well, I can get, you know, I have a chance at making it big. Yeah. And I think it goes to that. Um, it goes to, you know, one of my, my, like the, my favorite quotes from the West wing about the estate tax when it was like, this only applies to like 2000 families. Why would, why, how is it even possible that 50% of people are against this? And President Bartlett says it's like because they all think it might apply to them someday. Yeah. And that's like the double edged sword of the American dream. Yeah. It's like we can it's not all stick. There is the dangling of the carrot, which um, is the complex system that is America. And Joey saw the carrot here and thought, uh, you know, this isn't dangling the carrot like if you go to law school and do this it's like no no you're already like in the inner circle all you need to do is play ball yeah and, well, well um, I, I i mean that's that's her initial that was issue three right where where we, we see that her attempting to be part of this society of this community yeah for five but, weeks yeah but then but it, it ultimately her turn at the end comes from the idea of of she has a level of, of awakening there, right? Of, of still like, right. that she. this is the thing she thought she wanted. But now that she sees the cost, like she was blinded initially by all the benefits of immense wealth, um, um, a life of pure luxury, you know, it not never having to, to want or need for anything. She saw all of that. But when... Uh, uh, eventually, as as again, her eyes are opened a little more, and she sees the the vast scope of everything. You know, her turn then is as she aligns and, and sees it re really through 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 Petal's eyes. You know, when we go back to go back to her again, um, this idea of of um, what she was being forced into early retirement, as it were, right, right, and and I think that that's what flips Joey there um, in the oh, idea I mean, of like, yeah. Uh, like I, what I'm thinking of when I read this book is uh, I thought of like, uh, like I think we're typically apolitical. So this is an illustration, not a stance on anything, but I thought of the 2016 election and I thought of all of the people who were running against Trump who were saying, you know, he's immoral, he's terrible, he's whatever. And then when it was clear he was the nominee, they started slowly trickling into cabinet positions and things yeah. like that, especially like a Chris Christie, who uh, I think very similar to Joey here was like, well, you know, I might as well get in the inner circle and then yeah. keep my options open. Yeah. And then I think was less than a year and was like, I cannot do this. Yeah. I'm like, I have to get out. And then, you know, was on the outside lobbing grenades over the wall the rest of his time there. But I think for most people in the country, it was like, I, that, I, at, at I can't think of anything more despicable. Yeah, yeah than, at that point. Like, yeah. Then, like, saying he's a bad person, we'll go work for him and then be like, no, no, I have the moral high well, ground now. Because which, and I think of this, like, New Yorker cartoon that came out in 2019. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was like, this is what every, every political nonprofit bestseller looks like right now. Uh, and it's a book, it's like someone holding a book called What I Saw. 
and then there's like an empty pamphlet next to them called what I did. <laughs> it's like what I did about it, basically. And it's well, like, yeah, I went and worked for this horrible person. Come read my horror stories. Uh, I am culpable because I, I actually didn't do anything to stop it or anything about it. But I, I actually I think write it down for you. I think that's apt because while ultimately Joey and Petal, I think, are are meant to be our protagonists, they're the heroes of our story. They still have to eat people. <laughs> right. In the yeah. end, they are still eating people. It's just that now the roles are flipped, you know, as as what they say, like the I, I can't remember who, who who says it, if it's Joey or Pedal, but the idea of it, it's that idea of there are more of us than there are of them. That idea of organizing labor or or right. the lower classes, whatever, any sort of revolution against against the, the the elites is that idea of there are more of us than there are of them. So if we get together, if we organize, if we dis if we decide that this is the, that this is over, which is what Sarah has in that letter. It's when they decide, when the masses decide that this system is over, but it has to be collective. But when they do that, then it's over. It's right. just it's hard to do that. It's hard to get, you know, it, it, it it's easier to get maybe twenty five families of uber rich people to all be on the same page to control however many hundreds of random people who have legally sign themselves to uh to uh to 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 this labor this this servitude than getting all those workers together to band against the elites but right that's that's the system that's been that that's in place they don't know any better they assume this is their only way out and again yeah so yes congrats that they've won our good guys have won but yeah, again, they still have to eat people. They're just eating the they're eating the people that we in the story perceive as bad, as in the the uber rich people, the ones that were exploiting the lower class workers. Now those yeah. lower class workers are living in luxury and they're just eating the former rich people. Which you know? I do. And I think this is um, we'll get to this next week. But I think that creates an interesting parallel between this week's book and next week's book. Yes. Yes, uh, it because does. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good tease. That's a good station. Yeah. yeah. That's a good setup. Um, yeah. So, but I, I, I do think the first time I pitched this to you, I was maybe like issue four or something like that. It didn't know the big twist. And I was like, it's pretty interesting, pretty obvious satire. I think there is like dark humor to it all. Oh, yeah. Um, um, you know, it's not, it's not so self serious. It's like clearly satirical parody. Uh, yeah. But some of the horror beats are real, which oh, yeah. uh, I think gives it a Jordan Peele vibe. And oh, without question. And I think I pitched it to you as like, it's kind of like Get Out meets something. But I didn't know what the something was. Well, I, I, was I mean, like, I, honestly, like, you could the, you could the going away, the meeting the family, you know, the premise of like, you know, we're kind of dating, yeah. courting, yeah. maybe going to get married. Uh, let me show you my world. Uh, very Get Out, except it was not. You know, get out was like a honeypot trap. And, to, you know, yeah. that would be like if he was dating people to bring them in as servants. Uh, whereas this was like, no, no, this is a gift. I'm trying to bring you in. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the, 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 yeah the, but but I think it, get out's the obvious comparison. And, and, and if you, for some reason, listen to this and you haven't watched get out, like, what are you doing with your life? Stop this podcast. Go watch get out. Uh, and then come back and keep listening. But no, I, yeah. when, when I read references this, alive, you get to watch. Uh, yeah. Jordan, Jordan Peele said he really wanted to see Josh Lyman rip the top of someone's head off. Oh yeah, no, it, it, it Get Out's phenomenal, but it, just this the the the, the setup, but the, the first couple pages there, when it's clear, oh, 
Joey's the outsider and they're meeting. We're, we're going to this place and, and everything about Aster, even though, you know, is this, this is the super rich place, you know? So again, right. the outsider coming into the family, but the family is not just the family. It's the whole community. It's everyone he grew up with. You know, he talks about, you know, early on, Aster mentions uh, Bumper, who becomes a, a fairly large secondary character in the story. Like, oh, yeah, I grew up with this guy. You know, I've known him my whole life, all this stuff. You get the sense that, that there is this vast connected history and that Joey is perpetually on the outside of. And, yeah, you can't help but think like that's such a a horror setup. Um, I, I, and And the idea that our outsider is going to discover that things aren't what they seem, you know? That yeah. oh everything's so I you know nice and idealistic and and it's usually around wealth and privilege and things like that and they oh there's some terrible horrible sub uh, 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 subtext you know something beneath the surface that 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 they expose and then presumably ultimately triumph for um, there's I, I I was Get Out is is the obvious one there's another horror movie that I watched um, I'm not a big horror guy neither of us are but I remember seeing it from maybe three or four years back, I think it was called ready or not. Um, oh yeah. It, I it, saw that. Yeah. yeah it's it's a similar it's idea. Like a of, tag, right. Uh, it, it was hide and seek. It, it was a hide, hide and it, seek. Had, right. Right. And I think right. it was on like the wedding night. The, 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 mm-hmm. the, the bride is marrying into this yep. insanely rich family. And as part of tradition, they, she has to pull a, 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 a random game, like out of a, out of a hat or whatever. And then this is what they play on that day. And if you happen to choose tag, it, it, it it has to be, I'm sorry, hide and seek. It, it they the family has to find and kill the new bride for them to continue living. And I'm going to spoil this movie because it's not very good to watch. But as the movie goes <laughs> along, there's a thought of like, well, you know, what if you don't kill me? Like, is there actually a curse in this family? And there's a thought that maybe there isn't because she makes it to dawn, and a couple of the family are still alive. And like, ah, oh, see, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't a curse. And then like the remaining members of the family, like explode and die. And it's like, Oh, so my bad. Maybe there was a, curse. yeah, there was anyway, a curse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, movie's over now, but it's that kind of idea of outsider comes into the mysterious wealthy family. And, and so, it is so funny to me that neither of us like horror and we both saw that movie. Yeah, I know. I know. That's weird. Um, who was in that Adam Brody, I think Samara I, weaving, I think all is the I remember character. is that there was a point where trying to crawl out of a ditch and, like the only grip was like a sharp metal thing. And I said to my wife, who also does not like horror and gore, I was like, you're going to want to close your eyes because that <laughs> is absolutely going through some kind of body part to be the anchor to climb out of this thing. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. It, it, and I was like, I, I laughed when it happened because it is, I think so it was meant to be right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I want to, I, I do want to, I, I want to explore one thing about, the story and that is the character so we, we talked about we talked about joey and, and pedal and pedal again i think agrees probably the best character she's the most well-rounded because she, she's a stand-in for all of the the hired help um joey is our main character we see her journey we see her turn to the dark side and ultimately spark the revolution on the back side the the character i want to talk about is Aster, and what you think we're supposed to think and feel about him. Uh, and, and, and I'm, and I'm well, not asking like a note about that. Yeah. I'm not asking, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Cause look, ultimately, yeah, they're all bad guys on that side. But when we first meet him, right? but what kind of bad guy? Yeah. When we yeah. first meet him, everything he says outside of the bridge, right? When like 
Like he literally turns the car around right when they cross under it. Cause he's like, I can't do this. And we see that. Yes, he has gotten sober. Um, we see that he is taking some sort of medicine for anxiety. So that's he's, he's been treated and diagnosed with some sort of mental health issues um, that he understands that the rest of the people at a press fault in, in the community um, yeah. wouldn't understand. They don't believe in that. They don't understand what that is. And I get the sense that in the beginning, I think it's implied that he's trying to change that up until this point, that being with Joey and some of the effects that things he has, that he was attempting to be outside of the system and maybe naively thought he could come back, introduce her to the family, do all this stuff, but still be outside of the system. And then it's up until maybe the, um, I think the one night on the, on the beach there after, after Joey's kind of made her turn when, when his father comes up to him and takes him away. And then like, now he's like, He's back in it now. But I, I I felt like early on, we're not maybe, maybe not supposed to feel th- sympathetic, but he's supposed to feel he, he's he's genuine. Did, did you read it that way? That that his concerns, his thoughts, and his attitude towards Joey and 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 towards the community. Because he, he when he first shows up there, he has distaste for everybody, you know, but he accepts it because he, he this is what he grew up in, but he doesn't seem to enjoy it at least at the beginning. And then he gets right. sucked back in. I actually, yeah, I, I, I had this note in issue five when he's kind of pleading with her, like, come on, dude, like just get married. Like, it's not great, but you're like in it now. Yeah. Uh, so basically he's saying you're in you the same situation I'm in. Uh, so make the let's same choice the situation I made again, and let's right? make the yeah. most of it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it, it it's like a test of reader empathy. If you can mm. look past the fact that he's part of the 1%, he's part of the the evil, I think you are supposed to feel some sense of pity for him. Um yeah. because he was born into this, right? Uh he also did not have a say in whether he was going to be, you know, a cannibal people eater, you know, this presumably he was fed this stuff from a young age. Uh, like his, and, his 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 baby half brother, we're supposed to assume is the same thing. Right. Right. Well, and, yeah. and he says um, he was uh, what, what's his language? He said, oh, it's it's just tradition. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. like it's bigger than you or I. It's tradition. There's nothing there's nothing we could do about this if we wanted to change it. Um, so let's just make the most of what we can within the confines of the tradition. Mm-hmm. And she's like, your tradition is eating people yeah. like uh it, it it sounds so absurd to an outsider, but we can quickly normalize lots of crazy things, which um, I did finish the, the little book uh, that I've now referenced like three episodes in a row called On Tyranny. Uh, it's 20, 20 lessons from the 20th century from a historian uh, written after the 2016 election. And there is this sense that whatever is common seems normal and whatever is normal seems right. And society can turn very quickly into something monstrous if enough people just start doing it. And, um, uh, you know, the, he's got interviews with people who were, um, you know, like individual people who were helping Jewish families or delivering food to Jewish ghettos, uh, during the Nazi regime. And, uh, 
they interviewed them in the 60s and said like you know what were you thinking like that was so risky or whatever and they were like well that was the old, like i didn't have any other choice that was the right thing to do and we all marvel at that and he's like we shouldn't all marvel at that like that shouldn't be the exception right right and yeah. they saw themselves that way like that shouldn't have been the exception what happened to everyone else that uh that this decision to <laughs> feed starving people seem like a radical choice, but that's what happens to humanity. And even if we get dropped in a compelling narrative and we're like, okay, we buy into the plausibility of this world, all of a sudden we suspend our moral outrage, you know, to some extent and say, okay, well, our mind adapts to the rules of the system yeah. uh, rather than challenging the system. Yeah. And then, so yeah, it seems, yeah. So it seems to, to, to bring that idea back to this book, it seems radical at the end when Joey and Petal are like, no, we're going to stand up and rise up. We're not going to be the food. We're going to be the ones that are, that are in charge. And it seems like, again, a revolutionary move. But all they are is doing the same thing. They're just, well, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I think they're we not, could all it, agree from the outside. Yeah. The best option would be live in a world where people don't eat people. Yeah. yeah Within the yeah. confines of this world. And I think this is another lesson from history is that... Uh, Sometimes when the oppressed, you know, take over, uh, they they don't know how to rule in a non-retaliatory way. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's something that I think that maybe like the Star Wars franchise has kind of hinted at or like, uh, you know, maybe could do a better job fleshing out a really interesting thing. Like when the rebels win, do they actually know how to govern? Do they know how to rule? Do they know how to set up? a fair and just system or are they just going to keep getting duped by some, you know, empire, some first order, some whatever. Isn't that, um, is, um, sorry, isn't that what George R. R. Martin said about Lord of the Rings? Like, right. Yeah, I mean, like, like what, like what, what, what was Aragorn's tax, tax system? What's he do on day two? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So like, and I think kind of, that is an interesting question, but you know, Martin's bent is, pure cynicism and like yeah. a pure like everything boils down to power yeah. and there is no morality there is just power and yeah. those two weeks to take well, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and i realize I, now a voldemort quote yeah yeah well but i i think but i i don't think i don't think they're interested in that in this story so much because it's not about right it's no it's but not, I, it's, i'm it, saying it, if you it's, can, it's, not, it's not about them taking over and then changing the world it's really about them just taking over and no, they, living sticking in it to the rich is really yeah. Yeah. uh but what, just in this community here like they, just this they, community they read just a, the, the people who did this to them yeah right? yeah yeah um, but the people who, who, who are in wall street or silicon valley who are part of this that that the people that astor alluded to like they're not necessarily trying to lead a revolution against all of them they, they right very localized to this community to, to, to Crestfall Bluffs the people right here we're going to flip it on these people um, and like maybe the thought is like well if, as long as we stay here because we don't want to you know we don't venture back out in the outside world we have everything we need right here so let's worry about us and like be removed from the world kind of thing so they're, they're, they're not looking at they're our characters they aren't looking at the larger world the larger societal aspects right yeah. um so by the way i delivered the sympathetic case for aster i do have to offer the the probably two obvious counterpoints which sure. is you know one he is part of the system yeah. two um 
he did bring her into this that, that, not that, a cannibal that, that, um yeah. which that was my, even my if note. he's like trying to find a coping mechanism or whatever and thinks like yeah. I've, I've got this person i really love and we can do this together needs to be informed before her hands are dirty uh and then trying to like trying to i, I think there is a metaphor in here about the negative uh, aspects of marriage where marriage is about gender control. It's about power and manipulation because sure. he clearly is trying to manipulate her with, a, you know, dangling the diamond ring and saying well, like, well, yeah. if you just marry me, this all go away. You know, your name will be this. You'll be part of the society. No yeah. one's going to have a problem with you. You're going to be welcome here. You'll be yeah. the ruling class. Mm -hmm. You can go back to law school. You do whatever you want. Uh, you know, yeah, you, you can go do it. You know, whatever, power, it's, whatever. It's not going to make a difference. Yeah, right. The, the, the note I had on Astor going back to the idea of is he sympathetic? Are we supposed to be sympathetic towards him? My note was even in the beginning, in the opening pages of the first issue, if we believe that everything he is saying, thinking, and feeling is genuine, that he truly dreads going back here, that he is afraid of falling off the wagon, of 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 seeing, of showing the person maybe he believes he has changed into on the outside world, the person he is with Joey outside at law school or whatever it is, if he's afraid of bringing that into his old community, if all of that is true and genuine, how did he see this whole scenario playing out in his head? Like what was the optimal, like, you know, let, let's say Joey doesn't go out that at the beach and see, and see them, the, the, the ritual and, and all this, like what was his ideal path? Like what did he think was going to happen? What were steps? It's not a, a long-term planner. D? Exactly. Yeah, I, so, I do have to say, yes. I, it so seems like this it? is his first attempt, right? Probably. Yes. This is, which yeah, is okay, like, that, that and, is and true. I think that makes it different than get out, which yeah, is okay, like, the, she's got the, a playbook. She knows exactly what she's doing. That's a good point. I, 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 I hadn't thought about it that way in terms of that comparison to get out, but I think that, that's a really great point. The idea of this is clear, clearly his first time trying to do this. Um, but I, I do want to know what was, because ultimately step one was, you got ripped the bandit off eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah, because step step one is get her there, and the final step is proposing marriage because he he has the ring. So, how was he going to walk through the steps? What was he What was he going to do? How did he think it was going to play it, out? I think and of it as like the Michael yeah. Scott, uh, where he was like, uh, you know, this five step plan to like fix the company. Step five, company solved. Okay, what was step four? Was like, let's yeah. work backwards. Yeah, how do we step? Yeah, but it's that sort of thing. So to me, again, when you when you think of, that's why I ask, like, is he supposed to be sympathetic? Are we supposed to feel any sort of empathy for him? And again, even so, even if you believe he is genuine in 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 what he says and how he feels, um, you're still like, yeah, you're you're right. Like, she's, he still brought her there. So like, what was the end goal? Right. You know, yeah, he I mean, knows he, who he is. I, I think I can't feel sympathetic for him, but I yeah. do feel sorry for him. I, like I pity him. And I, I think that, that's you, different. Pity. Like, I, I pity was what I was thinking. You think of, yeah, I'm like, he, I, I wouldn't do what he was doing in his situation, but I feel sorry right for him. He's cage, so, right. He's so dumb. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, I mean, obviously he's, not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he's so dumb. Um, he does seem to have genuine positive affection for her, but is incapable like does not have the emotional maturity, maturity to understand a, a, a real relationship. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just power and control manipulation. And yeah. it's like, uh, and it's selfish. Uh, it's selfish to bring her here. 
It's selfish to get her hands dirty, but and it's selfish but, to try to. But marry. in his mind, in his mind, it is. Yeah, he's selfless. like, I'm giving her a gift. Like, right. It, 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 I was gonna say, go back to the idea of the gift that I'm giving this to you. I'm doing this for you. I'm allowing you entry into the world that I know you want to be a part of. You know, like I'm right. doing this for you. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. All right. I, I just it, it was the, the more I think about that character, you're right. He, he's he's um. He's fairly stupid. As but, a but isn't it impressive uh, in five issues, we keep a pretty tight, small cast. Mm-hmm. And I think this speaks to Sarah's ability as a writer. And when I started reading this, you know, they were not a well-known writer. They did not have a deep catalog of comics for me to go back and read and say like, oh, let me see Sarah's work here. Uh, I think what they were able to do in five issues with such a small cast of characters it's really impressive because we've got all this and it's it's not like a deep character study on one character it's almost a parable about you know the rich and capitalism and all this other stuff yet the yeah, character is no. good enough that we've been chewing on this for quite some time now on not that much dialogue and, yeah, and yeah, no narration I, I, boxes right well yeah i well I, I think i was gonna come at the end talk about kind of the story delivery now I'll, I'll get there in a second uh, but I want to follow up what you said earlier about the idea of kind of small cast. You because I I all my notes here I hadn't listed yet. You have in terms of name people that are of importance. There's Joey. There's Aster. There's Petal. And then on the next level there is Bumper, who is the stand-in for basically Aster's past. Right. All the right. kids you grow up, grow up with. And then there is there is Aster's father and stepmother. And like I don't remember what their names are. If they had names, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter who they are because yeah, they are the avatars. The father is old money, right? He's right. representative of the tradition passed down, and his stepmother is supposed to represent what Joey could be. You know, part right. of the system now who started outside of the system, and that's really all you have there. Everyone else is completely incidental. Um, they're just they're they're. On both sides, the rest of the, you know, we get names of the people who are retiring, and then you know during the during the ceremony, all the, the other other families are are called out, like when Bumper is doing the emceeing, like doing the roast stuff and all like that. Which I have questions about that too. But so we we get a sense that there's a larger larger community here, but right. at no point do you need to know any of them because it it, it it the story is kept so well contained. You don't need to know about. The other people who are working for this family, everyone else they have on our contract. It, it, it's not important because we see the lens. Or we get everything we need about that through Petal. It's all thrown shown through through one character, uh, and it's shown very well that that we understand the the plight or the situation, whatever you want to call it. We understand why these people are doing what they're doing by understanding one person specifically. By getting one person's story, we get all of their stories. By yeah. seeing how Aster interacts with one person from his past, aka Bumper, we understand how he would react and act, interact with everyone else. Anytime there's a random party scene and he goes off to talk to someone, we don't need to see that conversation because we understand what that interaction is going to be because we've seen it with one specific person. You know, so it's like th- we just have these stand-ins, these avatars for the larger world, and and everyone is is written in a way, not saying they're all fully formed characters, but they're written in a way where you understand who they stand for in the largest, in the larger story, in the larger community. Yeah. And I think the characterization 
in general, it reminds me a lot of Not All Robots. And I think that's oh, sure. maybe the best comp for this book. Sure, sure. It's in terms of the kind five of five yeah. issues, kind of a radical setting, but very much, you know, the worker struggle, the plight of the, mm -hmm. you know, the rich, the, the ruling class. Um, and it's like, I remember, you know, when we, by the time we were doing that podcast, you know, a few days after finishing the book, I was like, I remember four characters' names. You know, there were yeah. a, a lot of other faces, but there were essentially like four or five characters. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And I love a small cast, like give some actual meaning to it. Because I think you've experienced from me in this podcast, I get frustrated with a large cast when I'm like, stop yeah. introducing me to people. Why do I need to know this? Like, why, why, am I I, right. why am I spending time or wasting time? Yeah, I, I get that from you a lot. Definitely. Which um, uh, I think as, uh, I think it's because I'm more apt to read the five 12 issue things. When I was whining about that at the beginning of The Unwritten, which was like 60, 70, 80 issues, it was like, just, you know, chill out, man. Like you you are going to need all of this. Yeah. Uh, and and I did, you know, and I, I trust my carry now as a writer. Um even into his fiction, you know, uh, but I those, was reading, a, uh, his new fiction in 2023, by the way, just a little plug for Mike Carey, because we love him, uh, was Infinity Gate, um, which is a multiversal tale. Really great. Uh, total cliffhanger. Uh, like just it's going to be a two parter, two part. Second part comes out in 2024. And it seemed like he decided to just like, OK, that seems like enough pages. Cut it there. <laughs> it did not feel like everything's come to a head. That's the end of one story here. Let's go to another story. It's like, no, this is just a two-parter. Um, but totally loved it. And there were a bunch of characters he introduced early in that. And I was like, do I need to, you know, really focus in on this or is this just setting up something else? Nope. All the characters matter. That, you know, that's my carriage writing. So but, when but, it's a good writer, a, I trust this, them. a story like that and the unwritten, when you know it's a longer run. Yes, there's the, right. you're more forgiving, right? In terms of, okay, that like not you, saying it's it going to like all come back, but there's the time, right. there's time for it to come back versus something like this where it's five issues. It's a really tight story. It's one setting, you know, we, right. we, we, we get there. We're almost, it's a gated oh, community, right? Essentially. And, and we're effectively, we, I'm sure some of those montages were on other people's houses, but we're essentially in one house. And the beach that connects to it, you know, like we're, we're, we're not going to other places in the community almost. So you it know, really is, it's a tight setting. It's a tight cast. And so, yeah, it would feel weird though. If you like had to be introduced to all the people, like who their neighbors were and what their deal was and who the like de facto mayor of this place was and what heals his deal was because all their deals are the same. So it, it would be, it, in this case, it would be wasteful if we got all these other characters, all these other families, if we saw what their get down was and, and where they were in society, because it ultimately doesn't matter because they're all in the same place in society, which is actually outside of society. So you yeah. actually have my imagination running wild now because I didn't really process that it essentially all happens in one house. Yeah. And on one property. I was like, what if instead of like, you know, adapting comics constantly to uh, movies. What if this were like the first comic adapted to be a stage play? Like, <laughs> it would totally work. It could work. You, like, you, have, you, an have, cast, you have an interior and exterior. Yeah, you got an interior and exterior. You know, you could like fudge the little car ride on the way in. No, whatever. And, so that, that's, um, all, that's on the side. And, then and you, you, you would have, you could do this with a cast of like 
no more than 20 people. Less than that um, easily. Yeah. Yeah. And, and right. you know, a couple people wear multiple hats, but uh, super fascinating to, uh, to, as I was just thinking about that. I was cannibalism like, on stage. Definitely. Like, very big. Cannibalism on stage. Very but big. But I'm like, I could see this being like a 90 minute one act play or, you know, split it in half or something. But I mean, again, uh, it, anyway, it, this also super though, fun it, to think about. But, well, but it, it tracks though with the kind of horror story that we talk about again, like, like ready or not, like they're, that whole movie is set in in this giant mansion that they all live in, like the, 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 the family right. lives in. Because the idea is, is this small setting, you know, get out is set in one community. So the whole sense is that, that that's a, that's a standard horror story kind of, uh, kind, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that this wouldn't be big and expansive. It's just, you know, it, it's, 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 it's contained and that that's part of the horror. And I, I think in, in this case, yeah, that, Anywhere she goes in this community is the same story. So why waste time having them see other things? Why waste time giving us other families? Because they're all the same. So let's keep it focused on this one group. Let's focus on this one person, this one one help, this one helper, this one aid pedal um, on this for this one family. Uh, and that tells us everything we need to know about everybody else in the community, which is why at the end, I think, again, as I talked about how I thought when I read this the first time that the story would be about the revolution. Yeah. That when you get to the end, it's not about that, that what, once they decide that to have a revolution, it just happens. And it's a, it's like a handful of panels on a page, you know, and then like, Oh, that's it. Game over. We won because that, you know, again, it, it, it's a waste of space as I understand it now to, to spend time doing all that because that's not what they were interested in telling. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I now I'm I'm curious uh, if Sarah had that grip of it from having written fiction before, or uh, if maybe Elizabeth Bree, the um, the editor for the series, was kind of saying, "Let's pare it down, you know, let's keep it focused." Uh, I don't know. I mean, and it's an interesting I, question. It would be. Uh, I, I would imagine, though, given given Sarah's history in terms of almost exclusively writing in the horror sci-fi fantasy space, you know, almost like the vast majority of the stories they write fall into that category makes me then believe that it's something right. that they consume a lot of. And so the ideas, the setups, the tropes, all the stuff there is just things that float around in their head when they think about story, you know? And so yeah. the idea of making this kind of, you know, it, it's not a locked room, but it, you know, the, it kind of it, it it kind of is right. Although even though Aster specifically says the door is unlocked and you know you can go across the bridge anytime, but the idea of being trapped um, is just whether that's a, whether it's metaphorically in this in this case or like literally in some other kind of uh, horror stories. I, I think maybe that's just how they frame and construct stories in their mind that they don't even think about it. That this is just oh no, we're, we're, this is set in the house and we're going to see how this one girl deals with this one family in this one community. And that tells a story of everything that, that they're trying to get across. So yeah, I'd imagine it was just maybe internalized for the stories that they, they tend to write and produce. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we've done everything I had to say about the plot story mechanics, yeah. Sarah's brilliant work. Uh, I do want to say last week I started, I, I almost got carried away talking about Pius Box 
yeah. uh, storytelling. So I do just want to say, uh, uh, Pius Bach, who I was not familiar with outside of this. I know you were a little bit, yeah, uh, specifically for the magicians' uh, stories. That's it. Yeah, I'm just blown away. Um, very creative paneling. Um, great at sequence, momentum, pause. Mm-hmm. Um, just everything, everything you want from sequential art. It's not just, uh, you know, oh, here's a picture to go with the script or the dialogue or whatever uh like the story like you could get a pretty good sense of what's happening without the lettering in uh and by the way the lettering by cardinal ray uh i thought was great and some of them some of these pages actually have quite a bit of dialogue on them Mm -hmm. uh but done in such a way that uh it's not it's not dominating the page it's not you know it's not obscuring the imagery and the, the the one thing i wonder about and this is this is a question that it, it, it always changes book from book to book how um there's dialogue and 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 then then there're often there are often also narration boxes where we have joey's thoughts right. um and then we get some panels where there are sound effects or her thoughts are on the page and sometimes there are things they say out she's saying out loud sometimes there are representative of things um, but that that text that fills up the page, I wonder if that is Pius Box work or Cardinal Ray's work because it, it it can change from from yeah. from book I, to book. I wondered artist, about artist. that too. Yeah, because because I, I I know um, one of the books I know what the breakdown is is Saga uh, because it's something that that Brian K. Vaughn and and Fiona Stamos have talked about that phonographics does all the letters for them but any sound effect anything where text is written on the panel including um hazel's narration which is when it's just text on the page that's all fiona staples so the lettering that phonographics does is any narration boxes or any dialogue that's in a speech bubble but any text that's on in the panel that's like unrestrained that's all quote-unquote art not lettering you know Um, And that's the breakdown for that book. And I wonder about that here because it's used to great effect. And I think um, whether it's emphasis, sometimes it's emphasis, sometimes it's comedic effect. Um, But I I, I think I love when it's deployed that way. I'm I'm in, I think I'm in issue four right now. Um, I'm I'm flipping through some pages here. I I, don't have page numbers because I'm looking at the, I'm looking at it digitally, but um. It's when Joey, she, she's gotten out of the bath. She puts on the green dress and she's kind of, there's a whole page of dialogue of, of narration where she's talking about um, like, she's thinking about what her life would be like. Could she do this? You know, she's, she's contemplating, you know, being with Astor, being part of this community. And, and we turn a page there and there's a little dialogue box that says, which is worse. And then the, the, the next panel next to her, she's walking through the hallway and those words, which is worse, are now right. filling up yes. the page. As in, she's playing that over and over in her head there, you know? And there's emphasis there. And it's kind of a funny scene. And then a few pages later, when she's sitting with Petal at the beach, and Petal's basically like asking her like what she's thinking, what what what's going on in her mind. And then there's the panel of we see like physically like a speech bubble coming out of, of Joey's mouth. And it it's big bold letters, everything that's happened all summer. And that is just representation of representation of she 
opens up entirely to panel, you know, right. but it's just done in one panel. And there's something comedic about that of, of, of that presentation um, of where it's not done through actual dialogue. Cause another way you can do that through lettering is if there's just like one big, like dialogue balloon and it's just, it's full of text with no spaces and it runs past the, the borders, you know? So you just see a block of text and that gives you the same feeling of someone just unloading information, you know, yeah. just dumping uh, 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 stuff on, onto the person where the actual words aren't important, but it, you get across the vibe, the sense that this person is just, just unloading everything on their mind there. And what they choose to do here is this sight gag, basically of having the letters, um, unrestrained from a, a dialogue box or a narration box, just have it in the panel in something that you can do in, 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 in comic art. And because the, the, the next panel is it, it cuts back to pedal and it's clear that pedal is just like she, as the character in the story has just heard this, this gigantic rant, you know, while we, the honest, we don't see the rant, but we know what Joey's saying of all the things she's been dealing with and thinking about because we, we get her narration. So we don't need to see that again, but we, we understand that pedal has just been on the receiving end of this massive info dump, this massive rant, this, kind of unburdening that, 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 that Joey has, has had all the stuff she's had pent up with her. And it's all done in this one panel that again, I think is meant to be both for efficiency sake. And also there's a level of comedy to it. You know, the idea of having the, 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 the text on the page be the thing that's happening and not actually what they're saying, you know? Right. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And yeah, they no, do that often throughout the book. Yeah, I've been I've been flipping through without reading that issue as you're yeah. as you're describing it, mm -hmm. uh, which I would recommend. That is issue four. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, and then the other thing that jumps out to me in issue four here is the colors. Yes. Um, which I think we talked about last week. I uh, in a. I, I never I never want to do comparisons in a way that would reduce uh, the current artist's view, but I mean this as high praise. I if I had to have guessed without knowing who Roman was, I would have said this is Lee Lowridge's coloring. Um, and, and Lee Lowridge has a lot of range. You know, he does a lot of different things in terms of coloring. Well, yeah. Um, I, I, but well, what I mean, I mean by that is Lee Lowridge has done thousands of comics. And he has a strong command of, you know, the color palette and can uh, do a lot of storytelling with color. Uh, and I, that's what I'm getting from this is like uh, has a clearly defined um, palette for the book, but is willing to push it. You know, it seems getting more dramatic. The neon colors really ramp up uh, and in, it's almost subdued that scene on the beach between uh, pedal and uh and as she goes back into town, you see the dad with the butcher's knife when the bright orange sky behind. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, these well, these are like uh, human level things get more mundane colors. And when you're dealing with these super rich in their crazy place, it gets more and more fluorescent, more neon. I think it gets more fluorescent and neon, definitely. But I think one thing we we, we talked about last week in, in, in previewing this is that the color palette is still very muted. It's very flat. It's not shiny. Yes, and right. I think that's that it reminds me of, you know, um and, and Pius Box, his artwork is is 
it, you notice it, it, it's very clean. You look at the faces, there aren't a lot of lines there. Um, there there's not a lot of extraneous. There's a little bit maybe around the cheeks and the eyes. Um, you know, you, you, you look at some of the stuff from a lot of comic art from that's like hangover from like the nineties, early aughts or a lot of lines, a lot. It's very busy figures, yes. characters, silhouettes are very busy. I think what we have here is a very clean style. It reminds me a lot of Chris Somney or Leonardo Romero, um, which is kind of like those guys kind of fall out of the school of like Darwin Cook, Michael Cho. Doc Shaner is this way, where uh, it, it, it looks like very simple shapes, very clean lines, and often very flat colors. Whether it's, um, I, I'm thinking of like current books that Chris Somney's doing right now, something like Firepower with Robert Kirkman. He's colored by Matt Wilson there, and you'll see a similar kind of flat color. Um, Leonardo Romero right now is doing Birds of Prey with um, Kelly Thompson, and Jordi Belair colors that. Uh, and that team also worked on a Hawkeye book starring um, Kate Bishop uh, that is also very similar. It's very muted. Um, doesn't mean the colors aren't vibrant, but yeah, they're not shiny or glossy. It's very flat. And and um, your only tones are really like just shadow, you know? Uh, and, and I think it, it, it for me, I, I love that kind of art style uh, in a book. Um, uh, th this kind of character work where it's, we're not trying to be photorealistic, you know, we're not right. trying to be super accurate in detail, you know, but that doesn't mean it's not, um, I don't know. It's, it's, that doesn't mean it's not pleasing to see, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like there, there are some artists, um, that, uh, you know, like we, we, we talked about, um, I mean, you mentioned well, not all robots, well, you, yeah. you know, Mike Diotto, uh, the, there's a hyper real, almost photorealistic style to the way that he draws. That's just his style. You know, I don't think I have no problem with that, no issue with that. Um, but I tend to gravitate towards artwork more like what Pius Bach here has done, where it's clearly that it's drawn, that we're trying to do representations of people. And they look like people. These are faces and figures and bodies and things of that nature. But we're not trying to be like, we're not trying to replicate pictures. You know, yeah, we're not I doing mean, the hyper realism of like, here's all the bone structure. Here's all the muscle tone, things like that. They're not worried about that. We're just drawing what we know our mind will accept as, as people and, 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 and shapes and figures and things like that. There's I a simplicity to it. There's yeah. a simplicity to it. Um, that, and I love that them. Both, I love to be clear. Uh, you know, I do love them both. What I'm looking for in an artist is a clearly defined sense of style well, and a purpose yes. for that style. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Because what I was thinking of was, I think some of the most beautiful live animation ever is the like Spider Verse movies. Did you just say and, live animation? Uh, yeah. I mean, they use like motion capture, but yeah, like. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 like, I meant like non-still images, like moving animation, not comics. Uh, it, it's still a nonsensical term that I said. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But what I meant okay, was, okay. Right. this is not sequential art. This is moving pictures. Uh, okay. And right. in the Spider Verse films, uh, like, you know, there was like the Polar Express, which is the classic Uncanny Valley, yeah. oh, and man. and even like Toy Story the people are trying to look photorealistic like people. Um, the people in Spider-Verse look more like people than that. And they're clearly not trying to be photorealistic. Yeah. They're trying to look like a comic. Like they have a clearly defined sense of style and yeah. sense and, 
and art uh, to them. And for that reason, it actually looks better than when someone is trying to do something photorealistic. That, that, I mean, that's true. I think I think you're absolutely right about that. The fact that uh, Liev Shriver's Kingpin looks more real than Tom Hanks's conductor in Polar Express. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 no, like I know. You, you, you're yeah. absolutely right. Well, like, like, I, I open a can of worms, Kingpin, and now it's just going to be Polar Express bashing for the next, uh, for the rest of the podcast. Basically, it's terrible. It deserves it. But you know, said now that you're absolutely right there again. The Kingpin, as exaggerated and ridiculous as that character looks, that Leah Shriver voices, it looks quote unquote realer than whatever the hell the Polar Express was doing with that animation, with the dead soulless eyes and all of that. You know. Um, so yeah, it, it is. It, it, it and you're right. I think it works for this book here when we have this extreme level of gore, not so much violence. So there's some violence at the end there. I guess the the book ends very violently, but there is this level of gore and um, just kind of unpleasantness that I think works with this uh, slightly cartoony but still realistic artwork. Um, there's it's almost like it helps you be a slight level removed from the story. You know, that you it's know a lot easier something. to yeah. watch cannibalism with this style art. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't yeah. want to see Mike Diotto draw cannibalism. Yeah. They, they, be they, a they, little they, too yeah. real. Right. Yeah. There are some artists. Yeah. It would feel, but, but then again, I'm, I would hope then if a, if a creative team did that, um, it was for a reason that they wanted you to be wildly uncomfortable. They wanted you to feel all the things you would feel if you were standing in the room, you know, let's so like, I, I, I would hope, even though I, I would not enjoy that book, I would hope if it existed, it was because it was that there was intentionality to it, you know, like right. the whole yeah, point I mean, was to make you uncomfortable. Like that is why we're doing it. And that's why the, and the, and the point of it is to make you feel uncomfortable about that aspect. I think in this book, you are meant to be uncomfortable about the cannibalism, but it's actually not about the eating of people. Again, right. we go back to that letter that Sarah Gilly wrote that's presented at the end of this trade. The big concept, the big idea is the structure that exists in society that would lead someone to be in a situation like this. It's not actually about the eating of people. It's not actually about the cannibalism. So, yeah, I think you're right there that this kind of artwork makes it a little more palatable, especially when when we see some close-ups of the meals and the steaks or whatnot, you know, and they're drawn again, it just, it looks like a regular T-bone steak or whatever, like a ribeye or whatever, you know, it's right. drawn like generic steak emoji kind of thing, you know, but we know that the re as the reader, we know that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's people, you know? So, um, yeah, which, uh, the, the last comp I have there for that is, um, he worked on chew and farmhand, uh, Rob, uh, Gilroy. G Gil yeah. Rob Gilroy. Wait, Rob is it Gilroy, Gilroy or, or yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, I don't know how it's pronounced, but yeah, uh, G G O G U I L L O R Y or something. Uh, but in both of yeah, those, might, might, might be Guillory. Uh, Guillory, yeah, uh, yeah, it's from Louisiana. So we'll uh, we'll talk about him some other time. But but uh, both in Farm Hand and Chew, it's yeah. images that would be pretty gruesome if they weren't so playful. Uh, like I don't know if that's the right word, but cartoonish. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, cartoonish, um, but yeah, not, 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 not an absurdist. I, I, I know what you're saying because I've read the, I, I've seen those uh, images. I've read some of those books there. So yeah, the, the idea of if it were more realistic, it would be, it would be disturbing. And then the point again, then the point of those books would be 
the disturbing nature of them. And that's not actually what they're going for in their cases, you know? Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly what I meant. Yeah. Um, they're not, they're not, they're not trying to be disturbing about that aspect of it. Um, yeah. And I think, I think eat the rich is the same sort of, same sort of idea. Again, it's not about specifically the cannibalism aspect. It's just about, you know, the, it's almost like the cannibalism aspect. You, you could have changed that to make it any sort of soul binding contract, right? That could have been anything. Yeah, I mean, you they know? could have been like cutting their fingers and sharing blood or something like that. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it could have yeah, been it, that it, benign. Which um, is, yeah, it, benign, flexible word there. But yeah, you're right. It could be any sort of kind of morally reprehensible or ethically questionable binding contract. And it so happens that it's cannibalism here. But again, yeah, the, the focus is about what kind of world we live in that people would opt into this kind of agreement. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the, I think the art and I, 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 one thing I love about, about Pius box art here that I think he does really, really well is I do think he does. I think he does faces very well um, and subtle, subtle facial expressions, whether it's a little thing in terms of um, someone biting their lip or, or cocking an right. eyebrow or, or things like that. I think he does faces very, very well. Um, well, again, Joey without, very rarely has a hundred percent conviction in any moment, right? Yes. Is yeah. always torn. Yeah. And, and I think, I think the only I time she has that is, is that little bit in episode in issue four, issue three, when she is putting on the face of, Oh, this oh, is yeah. totally normal. I, I've accepted I'm doing this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But for the most part, she's always torn about something. There's always something in her eyes, something in her face. And and I think Bach is able to do that again without overdoing, without adding a bunch of lines to the face, to the cheek, to the eyebrows, to the furrow, the brow, things like that. He's able to do it very cleanly and and, and really fairly simply um, and, and get across get across the emotion and the feeling and the vibe. Of 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 what each of these characters are 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 going through in the moment, and I think that's that's really impressive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Anything else on the art, artists, coloring, lettering, uh, or the story itself? Because I've reached the end of my the, notes. The last thing I have about the story is um, it, it it goes around the idea of bumper and uh, just so if if I had a a plot hole. It's not really a plot hole, but if you use that term in that way, right? Is why is emceeing the roast such a bad thing? Like, why does it take it out of him so much? Because doesn't everyone there know what's going on? Presumably, Bumper does. Bumper's part of the system. He eats the people. Um, so why is it so bad to be the guy up there just to be a jerk and and roast all these people when everybody knows what you're doing? Everyone there knows that he's going to get up there and say something objectionable about your family. And then he, when he's done, he's going to say something objectionable about the next family. So why is it such a toll if it's something that happens every time this tradition takes place? You know, why does he feel so bad about it to the point where the first time it happens he, when he, you know, as, as, as Astor is explaining, like, oh, it's a roast. We have, it happens, blah, blah, blah. When, when Bumper comes off stage and he's like totally beaten down, he turns to Joey and whispers, like, you should leave. You should get out of here. You know, like he's trying to warn her, but like, where does his conscience come from? And because we don't see anything about him that would, would suggest that he has this greater conscience. And so what's the, why is it a burden to be a D to, to be the MC here? I guess like, 
I guess the whole the whole younger generation feels a certain uneasiness about the tradition. Is that it's, what you think it is? I think it's that they all like, you know, he's taking anxiety medication, but he's still going back to Crest Crestview Falls for the summer. Bluffs, yeah, okay, and he's okay. bringing some or Crestview Bluffs for the summer, and he's bringing a girl with him. Uh, and anytime they talk about it, he's like, ah, yeah, I know that part is rough, but it's a tradition. What are you going to do? Uh, so I think it's just kind of like, hey, you pinch your nose and do it. Um, okay. You know, right. you, you look away like the younger generation doesn't take pleasure in it, but I think probably their parents didn't, but you do the tradition long enough and you start to get some factor fatigue and you're like, okay. I don't need to look away as much now. And then it's like, yeah, go get them. You know, like by the time they're the elders, they like it. Um, okay. So, so you, you think that's my bumper. take on it. Okay. All right. That, is that, that it's, 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 it's less it's about kind of like, hasn't warmed up to it yet, but is like, yeah, like I don't have another option. This is it. Okay. So um, it, 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 it's, it's less about the, maybe, maybe it's less about the actual doing of the thing of having to go with and be the roast. And, and it's more just like, why is it always like, I have to do it. I have to do a thing more than I have to do the thing. Like it just said, it, right. You, he, he feels forced into having to do something at all. And the fact that they made him do it twice uh, in, in like consecutive times. Right. I is think like, the newer you are to this, why do I keep getting crapped on? Why does someone else? Yeah. Yeah. To okay. the inhumanity of it. Okay. Uh, okay. Even if you've accepted the inevitability of it. Um, well, you know, I, I uh, like by the, the reading. Way, Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go. Uh, no, sorry, go I, 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 I like the reading you said there. You gave the thought of of a generational thing that people in Astra's generation, while they have clearly opted into it, this idea of they're still a little more reluctant, you know, because which is because like they are, that yeah, happens in yeah. real life too, and it's yeah, insulting. No, exactly. It's, it's, it, now like, that you said it, and I think about that more and more. I like that. So the, his reluctance is less about the specifics of what he has to do. And it's just the reluctance of the whole, it's the whole like, rigmarole. Yeah. It's like, I know how this looks. Yeah. I know how it feels, whatever. Okay. All I'm right. still going to do it. Uh, yeah. But, I, you know, I understand you little people. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. I, that, get, that, that, like, that, I get it. I sympathize with you, but I'm still going to do all the same things. Yeah. And well, I, don't uh, re- I, I say it, I sympathize, but I he's trying that, to do that, intent that gives over me a impact little better. Thing. Yeah. That gives me a little, a, a little right? bit of thought on, on him, on, on bumper and, and the idea of what he's, of why he is just so down on having to do this. It's less about having to roast everybody in public and more just like, God, why do I have to want to do something? You know, why does right. this fall to me? Why are you making me do anything? Why can't I just be someone out there doing nothing? That's interesting. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, my final, I like that. I can accept that. My final shout out and, and just not really anything to discuss per se, but just wanted to throw it out there. Incredible cover gallery for this series. Oh, um, yeah. Like I yeah, said, my yeah. entry point was the Jenny Frizen number one, which I just got signed last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, very excited to have that. Uh, Becca Carey, who does, I think the A covers for Know Your Station or some of them. Yeah, Leanna does all the A covers. Um, I, I, she does all the. Uh, Becca, Becca Carey does all the all the the the, the B covers. Yes. If you look I'm at really... the Becca Carey cover for issue number four of Eat the Rich, it's my favorite. Uh, because where you are in that story, if you were pulling the B covers, which I don't know how many people would be doing that. It actually, yeah, some people do. It seems like there's the plot twist in the series, and it's like, oh, did the series actually just change? Because um, 
Becca has drawn the very simple skeletal hand with the ring proposing and the title eat the rich is in a different font and eat is scratched out and it says join join the rich and it's like oh shoot is this actually where the series is going because that would have been kind of a dark parable on its own to say uh we the reader feel the protagonist is wrong but the protagonist goes and does it anyway end of series i mean that could have been its own artsy bend uh to the series rather than you know the whole time the series is called eat the rich and we we expect this uprising then it's like oh no they sold out and they're just the worst and that's the power that the rich have yeah the the the, Uh, that could have been an interesting twist twist. being yeah 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 the twist being not a twist yeah no i i think um if you look through so i if you have to go online or one of the apps to see all of the covers for all of the um you know there are multiple covers including incentive covers or whatnot um but the becca carrie covers really have that um have that kind of minimalist feel to them you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is really really cool. Uh, negative um, space is yeah what yeah yeah in yeah. Some cases. yeah they're they're, uh, they're, they're gets used and the Becca cover gets used for the trade. It is yeah for uh, for the green for negative one space with yeah. the fork and the eye. Uh, yeah, which is um, wildly disturbing, but it, it's a very very cool cover, and there are a <laughs> lot of really really cool covers um, from a, a lot of great artists, and, it, and it's something that you know Boob has done quite a bit of. Um, Sometimes they can go a little overboard with them with some of these incentive covers or whatnot, but you know, there's, there's always going to be just kind of like just an incredible a killer row of artists working on books that are going to put, put covers out. Um, and, and I think that, that, that this, this series is, is, is no different. Um, Cause yeah, you could definitely decide that you want to just pull those B covers and have those minimalist Becky care covers, you know? Um, yeah, there, there, there are some really, really cool ones, and uh, um, yeah, I'm with you. The uh, that prison cover for number one, which is you know, which is we'll, we'll describe a little bit. That's Joey in the the white and purple dress, right? That she wears to that first party, which makes her stand out because everybody else, I think, is just wearing white. Like that's you know, like right. and, and she's got a foot in two worlds. Yeah, it, it, exactly. The idea of, and I think she goes to Astor, is like, wait, was there a dress code? And he's like, oh, no, this is just what everyone wears at the first peer party of the year. As if that's something that's that she is supposed to know or anyone's supposed to know what, what you wear to this kind of party. Um, but yeah, the fact that she's wearing something that makes her stand out, um, you know, it, it, it's obviously indicative. It, it, it's a character choice as well. But yeah, that's a, just a, a, an incredible cover that that Jenny Frizen did for, for, for issue one. Um, you know, I Oftentimes, when you get a a pretty rad cover from someone like Jenny Frizen, it is just a an issue one sort of thing. Uh, rarely, it's it's uh, longer runs for throughout the series for uh, right. for independent stuff. You know, she 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 had had long runs doing variants for like Catwoman, Wonder Woman, and things like that. But uh, and even for, something's killing children. She's got uh, yeah, but but the, the, those are all few, the, but that's those are all going. themed though. They're all they're right. all the the, the 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 basically headshots there. So, um, but yeah, you know, uh, a, a book like this and 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 know your station as well, which we'll talk about next week, um, has some really really cool, really really rad variant covers that uh just for some awesome artists and 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 you know it's it's a side of the industry that. Uh, you know, I have a love hate relationship with. I think like a lot of a lot of readers and collectors do. My bank um, account definitely has a love hate relationship. No, no, mine has a hate relationship with it. There's yeah. there's no love there. <laughs> um, but the collector heart of me loves it. 
And, and as much as I do, I, you know, if it's because there are so many artists that I absolutely love that only do covers. And yes, yeah, someone like Jenny Fresen, if she has a great variant cover, um, added bonus, if it's a series that I've, that I've read and loved, um, I'm probably going to pick it up because that's something that I want to have, you know, signed if I have a chance. Like I, I look at that like an art piece, you know, right? That, that there's the aspect of here's a thing. I, I believe you and I are a little different on this. I don't have any comic books that are graded in slab, you know? Right. I don't purchase them. I don't get them done. I believe books are something that, that are meant to be read and, 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 and handled and, 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 and consumed in that way. But there are also versions of those books. If it's got a really rad ass cover on it, um, I treat it as a piece of art, you know, right. I think of it. Yeah, as a piece I mean, of you, art. you handle it carefully. You get a special yes, bag yeah. for it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so there, there is that, there is that, um, two sides of the coin there of, of, of what is a comic book? Is it a collector's item? Is it something to be, is it a consumable? And I think it's both. And, and sometimes with a, a book like this that I enjoy reading um, and have multiple versions of and multiple covers for, I end up having copies that I read and then digital copies that I can read through very quickly. And then multiple variant covers that I just have for the cover. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just, this is one of those series um, and know your station is very similar as well. Where, yeah, I, I just I have multiple copies of multiple versions of multiple issues for varying purposes, um, which seems like an insane thing to do uh, for a book that's five issues long. But you know, that's that's where I am in my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not trying to make money off of it, and I think that's the big difference. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's, it's, it's not profitable to do this on indie books on limited no. series whatever no. but no it's all uh, for anyway it's, it's all just for me so um so next week we will read sarah gailey's uh other five issue boom series know your station um similar themes super different book uh yeah. can't wait to talk about that by itself and then the compare and contrast yeah it's gonna yeah be I, I think, so much fun i think we'll, we'll do our best to try and talk about it first right initially just as the in. book and the then naturally try to segue into yeah how they compare and and and, and right how they kind of come at similar ish ideas from completely different angles. So yeah, yeah. we'll do our best. Look, for, look forward um, to that. Definitely. Anyway, pick up issues one through five digitally in print or in the beautiful uh, collected edition in trade paperback, and we will see you next week. Peace.